When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? We are live here on Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Welcome in. We are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Barbecues, tailgating, or maybe if you're going on a road trip to see your favorite team, games are starting very soon. Wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops for the best deals in town. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. Ryan Talbot, day eight in the books. The Bills were in pads again. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, Matt. It sounds like it was a pretty busy day out there at St. John Fisher University. It really was. There was a lot going on. We, um, we There's a lot to get into from a football perspective. Um, I wrote uh, over at the website, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. You can read about all the different things that happen. As always, on the podcast, you get an extra couple nuggets, things that didn't make it in. And so we'll get into all that. Where do you want to start, my friend? Well, let's start with your lead, Matt. Let's, let's start with a rookie cornerback and uh, going one-on-one against Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I... I I was, you know, obviously what happened with Jordan Poyer today is super big news. We're going to get into that shortly, suffering an elbow injury. And uh, right now, evaluation is happening. Uh, We don't really have many more details than that. I'll go over what happened and we'll talk about what it means shortly. But, you know, Stefan Diggs and Kyer Elam, that's kind of been the prime time premier matchup whenever it's happened throughout training camp, whether it's been um, in one-on-ones or in team drills. Well, today, Christian Benford stole the show. Sixth-round draft pick out of Villanova, uh, football championship subdivision. 20 players were drafted in April's draft out of uh, the FCS, and Benford was one of them. And he's proving early on here that he's somebody that Bills fans need to uh, pay attention to. Leslie Frazier was asked about him today before uh, the practice, and he said he's a guy that they were surprised more teams weren't interested in sooner and they were able to get him in the sixth round. They were excited about him. We know what the bills are able to do in terms of developing uh, defensive back talent. And he just put on a show today. It was, I think I, t- I tallied at least five one-on-one reps in team drills, mostly in, in red zone between Benford and Stefan Diggs. and Benford just, he really just, had an explosive, awesome performance. And when you go up against an all-pro in practice, 
wins just mean a lot. And they mean extra for an, a, a six-round draft pick that, you know, I don't think anybody was really expecting to do big things in this training camp. It's going to be like a slow roll, right? Somebody that has uh, versatility, can play inside, can play outside. Man, he just one-on-one. There was two reps in particular where one was really sticky coverage, made a huge pass breakup. Uh, and you could see Stefan Diggs starting to get a little bit annoyed probably is the best way to put it. Uh, he didn't get uh, overly upset or anything like that, but you could tell back to the line. Let's run it again. Then a couple plays later, Josh Allen goes back to Diggs, and it was a little bit of a play that was, you know, uh, I think because of the coverage, Allen kind of threw it to the outside and, uh, but ben, you look over at Benford and Diggs and stride for stride with him. He just made a big play. And then it was like, all right, Stefan Diggs goes back to the huddle. I'm sure he said something to Josh Allen, like, get me the football. It was, I think, two plays from the last uh, till the practice ended, that portion of the practice. And bang, bang, double move. Absolutely lost Benford, put him in a blender. And it was like, okay, this is more like it. That was the the, the rep that you were kind of waiting to see from Stefan Diggs. But all in all, absolutely big, big practice for Christian Benford. And we've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for Benford to kind of come in and and show what he can do. Uh, You mentioned it, though. He comes from a small school. And uh, the fact that the Bills thought he could go earlier, that kind of speaks volumes to what they saw from him on tape. But a lot of the times those small school guys, it's hard to evaluate how they're going to hold up against uh, bigger, you know, talent that came from bigger schools. And uh, for the bills themselves, they, they have a history of drafting players from smaller schools, Taryn Johnson, Saran Neal, uh, and they were able to get looks at those guys back at uh, the Reese's senior bowl. But when it comes to Benford, you know, it, it's, it's hard to tell how they're going to stack up. So going against Diggs today and and being um, able to kind of go stride for stride with him, that's a huge win for him. Leslie Frazier spoke uh, highly of him today as well. Now, it's not going to be easy to make this roster, obviously. We've talked about some of these players that are fighting for that last spot. There's Cam Lewis. Uh, there's Benford. There's uh, Nick McLeod. There's a lot of young guys trying to hold on for one or two spots on this team. So, you know, Benford, he, he was a draft pick this year. There's a chance for him to stick on this roster, but now he needs to kind of build off of this uh, really strong, though, to performance. If you're going one on one against Diggs and able to stay with him, if you're able to frustrate someone at that caliber uh, at practice. So all in all, a pretty encouraging day for Christian Benford. Yeah, and you start to look at like the 53-man roster projection and how this potentially fits in if Christian Benford puts pressure on the Bills to make a decision. And one of the things I was thinking about today as I was kind of thinking ahead and, and what would that potentially look like, and if you're worried if you're the Bills that Cam Lewis is somebody that if you cut, it's gonna you're going to have a hard time getting him back on the roster, you probably take the, the chance with a six-round pick that somebody doesn't scoop them up and you can either get them back on your practice squad or somehow working around wherever Tredavious White is at. And so like right now you're looking at Tredavious White. I posted a couple videos on my Twitter account today of Tredavious White and he's moving pretty well. He's doing a lot of agility drills. He's jumping on both feet. I mean, he's definitely making progress. Leslie Frazier said today they're excited about what the trainers have told them. But if you get to a spot and you say, man, you know, you get to the preseason games, Trey, Trey White hasn't played yet, and you're really concerned about like rushing him back and wanting to maybe see him, give him some runway in practice. You have him make the roster, then you put him on like a pup list or some type of short pup list, and maybe you had to cut Cam Lewis or 
Christian Benford and and maybe you can kind of do one of those handshake deals that we saw a couple of years ago what they did with Dean Marlowe where you say, okay, Cam, we're going to cut you, but don't leave your phone because we're going to call you in a couple hours later, get you right back on the roster, get ready to go uh, and, and then worry about that problem down the line when Trey White's ready. And who knows, maybe Trey White's ready week one and then you have a real problem on your hands and you're j- you just might have to risk losing them. But it's something to think about as we progress. It's one day of practice. Let's not overreact. But just thinking down the line is somebody that they like a lot. They drafted, they invested capital in them and versus Cam Lewis, who has been really, really good for them uh, when he's played. uh, He was an undrafted guy three years ago. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the handshake deals. We see a few of those every year. It feels like don't leave your phone. Don't leave your hotel room because, you know, don't even try to book an air air, any airfare. You're going to be back by the next day or so. So that's one area where the bills could do that. It could be these wide receiver spots where there's a lot of depth to this is what happens when you have a Super Bowl caliber roster. There's going to be some really tough decisions on the back end. Uh, but when you have a savvy GM like Brandon Bean, there's always going to be one or two of these deals that you can, um, you know, cut a player, bring him back, maybe give him a little extra money here or there for coming back and, and being a good sport about it. But yeah, Benford, it's one good day. There's You need a lot more of that before you be, you go into that roster lock status. Uh, but still, it's encouraging when you're going against a player like Stefan Diggs, Matt. Uh, Ryan Talbot, uh, some some bad news today with Jordan Poyer. Yeah, unfortunately, Jordan Poyer exited practice with an injury. Um, you know, you were there commenting on it, uh, as were a lot of the the beat reporters there today. Uh, one-on-one drill, well, not a one-on-one drill, I'm sorry, 11-on-11s, and uh, came into contact with James Cook, went down, uh, was immediately in some discomfort, left the field with a trainer, and then eventually was put on a cart and taken uh, to the back. Right now, all we know is it's an elbow injury. The Bills came out and reported that. Uh, and that he needs an MRI. So we don't know the severity of it now. Uh, Bill's obviously avoided a significant injury to Micah Hyde within the last few days. And obviously, you know, the fan base and everyone else is hoping that it'll be the same for Poyer. But we're kind of awaiting word on, uh, you know, how severe this is. And Matt, maybe you can kind of go into more details about what had happened in the practice uh, when that occurred. Yeah. And so it was a running play. Uh, James Cook of bang, bang. It was very like run of the mill and nothing really stood out about the play. But all of a sudden at the end of it, you know, they're going thud up right now. So it's not full tackle. Whatever happened, it was immediate pain for Jordan Poyer. You saw him react immediately, came off the field. Uh, Some of the uh, images of him on the sideline as I was kind of peering across the field, you could tell that he was in serious pain. See it again as he was walking off the field. And so it's an elbow injury, probably banged it somewhere. And you wonder, all right, is there maybe some hyperextension there? You know, maybe you start thinking about like, um, you know, strains, pulls, tears. I mean, I know there's some tendons in the elbow. I'm no doctor, so I'm not, I'm not going to uh, kind of try to diagnose this, but you know, you, you'll get to see it over the next couple of days. I'm sure reports will come out and, and we'll get to, fi- we'll get to figure what this looks like long-term for the bills as they try to, you know, kind of use these young guys that we don't really know a lot about. Jaquan Johnson was the guy that primarily played today opposite Poyer. Then Hamlin came in once Poyer got hurt because Micah High wasn't participating in team drills either. Uh, so this is again, going to be a lot of experience for these young safeties. And I know we don't know a lot about him, Ryan, but I thought Jaquan Johnson last season, when he went in and played uh, for an injured, was a Poyer who missed a game. 
I thought he was really, really good. And it, it's something that it's almost like these first couple of years for Johnson, he's been so good on special teams. It's like, oh man, I, I kind of would like to see a little bit more and what that actually looks like. But when you got a tandem like Hyde and Poyer, there's not a lot of opportunity for that. No, and listen, right now, it's great for these young guys to get the reps out there. And you're hoping that when the regular season comes, if you're a Bills fan, you don't see Jaquan Johnson and Hanlon getting a lot of reps back there. Uh, But if it is something where they have to play, you know, this coaching staff, especially in the secondary, they've done a really good job of coaching these players up. And I would like to think that whether it's Johnson, Hamlin, a combination of the two, that they're going to be able to step in and, uh, be able to play at a high level. Will there be a drop-off? Absolutely. You're talking about an all-pro from one year ago in Jordan Poyer if if this is a more serious injury. Uh, but Johnson, as you said, when he's been in the lineup because he's had some more opportunities to play, he he's made some plays. I can go back to when uh, Sam Darnold was still on the Jets and he had an interception on a play. I think it was called back due to a penalty. But the instincts were there. He he, You could see it in his game. He's someone that when he's had opportunities, he's made some plays on the field. So uh, if his number gets called and he needs to play some meaningful reps, I think the secondary will be okay uh, while Jordan Poyer recovers and hopefully gets back. Again, we don't know the severity of the injury at this time. It could be something minor. Uh, We have to await word on that. Yeah, we will await word. And, uh, you know, while you do, head over to valuehomecenters.com forward slash current dash ad. And you can look at their ad this week. And uh, going on right now, it's your last chance to stock up on summer outdoor essentials. Shop outdoor furniture fire tables, grills, garden tools, and outdoor decor. Starting on August 7th through September 3rd, it's the end of the season clearance sale. Save $7 instantly on Valspar Integrity Exterior Paint and $5 on Valspar True Basics Exterior Self-Priming Paint. Value Home Centers, your hometown team. Where do you want to go to next? Because there's a lot of other uh, observations that we got to get into here. There are, and we've been very secondary heavy, but let's stay there a little bit longer. Talk a little bit about Taron Johnson. He's someone that we've both said, you know, he's so solid. He's so good. You almost feel like you don't talk about him enough. Today, you have him in your observations, Matt. So tell us a little bit about Taron Johnson's day. Yeah, so um, we keep seeing him in the comments section, right? And it's like, I don't know what to say. He's just, he's solid. There's been some matchups with McKenzie and, you know, McKenzie's won a lot of them early on, but again, no pads. Pads changes things a little bit. The physicality gets ramped up a little bit, ratcheted up, if you will. And today, Isaiah McKenzie was so upset. He came off the field uh, after this play and slammed his helmet. And it, it went into like one of the um, equipment. Uh, what, are, what are those things? It holds all the audio equipment. It, was, it looked like a just like a big rolling cart and it just slammed into it and it made a pretty, pretty loud thud. And you could tell Isaiah McKenzie wasn't happy about it. He's had a lot of success throughout this training camp. And today it, it, it didn't go his way on that, on that particular play. And it was a little bit more of a quiet day. And this was his uh, quote uh, after practice. He said, I probably should have either knocked down the pass from Josh Allen or tried to go get it or something of that nature but I didn't react fast enough and Taryn caught it. And I was just mad that he caught it and that it w- and he was able to be in the same area as me as he caught the interception. That's what it was. An interception, Taryn Johnson on Josh Allen. And usually when you have that much time, I mean, the, the, the play developed a little bit. I mean, Taryn Johnson usually, you know, running stride for stride with McKenzie, that's not going to go well for him just because of the, the top speed of McKenzie. But Johnson just flashed some crazy speed 
went stride for stride, made a play on the ball. It's probably a ball that Allen shouldn't have thrown, but it, you know he made the play, and it obviously caused McKenzie to to be upset. And now it's going to be, how does McKenzie respond from a bad practice, if you will? And it, listen, bad practice. I mean, one bad play. But how do you respond from things not going perfectly? Because there's going to teams are going to make adjustments. Guys are going to make plays against you. Now you got to come back and prove that you can make plays after that. Yeah, and listen, this is a big year for Isaiah McKenzie, so I like that he was frustrated. Uh, They were just talking about how he's trying to get this big role in this offense as the slot receiver. And when you are uh, a a focal point of the offense, I guess is a good way of putting it, you need to be able to play defense from time to time on a ball where it's kind of a 50-50 scenario, and he wasn't able to do that today. So I like the frustration. I like the helmet slam. He didn't have a Dan Carpenter moment where it came up and bounced up and hit him in the face, at least. So that's a win for him today. Mm-hmm. But I like the frustration overall. And yes, in the comments, changing gears real quick. Adam Sheffer did just tweet out about Jordan Poyer hyperextended his elbow. We'll miss what one source describes as a few weeks. And he is expected to be back for the start of the regular season. So that is a that's huge for the Bills shifting back over to Jordan Poyer. Uh, they've had two scares at the safety position. As of late, and now you you have both of these players that look like they'll be ready for a a big week one matchup against the Rams. Yeah, that's a huge dodge bullet for the Bills. Um, I don't know what the timeline would be on any type of tear or tendon or any situation like that, but it had to, it probably would have extended into the regular season. So if you can get him back, get that all right, you'll be in in a great spot and you'll get a lot of reps for these young guys, like we mentioned, and get to work with, um, uh, Micah High, when he gets back, it seems like he's kind of, you know, getting geared up more and more e- each day. So, uh, yeah, big news. You can't this time of year, anytime that an injury happens, you can't, if you're a fan, you're holding your breath, you're waiting new, uh, news on this, you know, going to the opposite side here, uh, week one opponent, the Rams. Van Jefferson, he, he was a big contributor in that offense last year, about 800 yards receiving or 800 total yards, eight touchdowns. He might not be back in time for the week one matchup against the Bills. So you're seeing this across the league. You're seeing players go down with injuries and, and you know, you never want to see it be serious. It doesn't matter who the team is, who the player is. Um, but for the Bills, two key players have been injured here as of late. And it looks like both though will be ready for week one, which is big. Matt. Changing over to the other side of the ball, let's talk about one of your favorites or uh, someone that you've taken some heat on here in the comments from some fans. Let's talk a little bit about Jamison Crowder today. Heat in this episode or in previous episodes? Oh, previous episodes. Previous. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. (laughs) I was like, man, are they starting in on me already? Um, No, I wrote about uh, Jamison Crowder today. I thought he looked like he was moving really well. He returned to team drills. He didn't have any catches in that portion. Um, But he had a couple plays. He might have had, actually had one catch, but it was wasn't particularly noteworthy. But he will he looked really good in one-on-ones. I mean, he had a tough rep against Taron Johnson, came back, won the next one, then had a really good rep. I believe it was Cam Lewis that just he just couldn't stay with him. And so you're seeing the the shiftiness, the route running uh kind of pop here for Jamison Crowder, his first healthy day. So now it's like, all right, how quickly can he implement get himself back? Um, cohesively running with, you know, Josh Allen and that first team offense. I mean, that's been Isaiah McKenzie's role. He's talked about, talked about it today. It's like a, it's like a whole new world where he's kind of the guy. And he said it today. He's going to compete with James and Crowder. He's going to get a chance to get in there. But now 
it's great to look good for one day. You know, you've had all these days off. You've been able to get your body right. You feel healthy. Can you sustain that? Because if he can't stay on the field, this is all kind of like a moot point with him. Yeah, he has to stay in the field. He has to keep having good days if he wants to compete because we've talked about Isaiah McKenzie more than maybe any other player so far early on at camp in terms of who we've been the most impressed by. So it's going to take a an incredible camp here preseason for Crowder to maybe surpass McKenzie early on in the year. Good to look good in these one-on-one drills, but now he's got to carry that over to the next practice, to the return of the blue and red, and into the preseason if he wants to have a legitimate chance to win that slot receiver job, Matt. Uh, let's stay with receivers for a moment just because we'll just kind of knock these all out. We could just talk about the group in general. Uh, Marquez Stevenson, again, somebody that was sticking out in one-on-one drills, had a couple really good reps, a couple really good wins. On the last one, he really was impressive double move just completely lost Kyer Elam and uh was able to uh make a play on the ball immediately afterwards it came up and his foot was bothering him he could barely kind of walk off to the side of the end zone and before long the trainers kind of ran over there um you know he he had to exit the field he did not return to practice the severity of that isn't known but the history injury history of Marquez Stevenson doesn't make you feel too confident about things, right? Like how long is he, how much time is he going to miss? Is that time going to be so much that he just, he can't make enough headway. And that kind of combos with the fact that Jake Kumaro has been out for a week. He'll get back. He'll, he's tough. He'll, he'll make uh, some noise before we get to, to the roster cut down days. He's done it the last two years, but Isaiah Hodgins is having a really good training camp, Ryan. I, I think that this has been, the moment where Isaiah Hodgins, maybe it's all coming together for him. You know, if he can make enough plays to, you know, whether it be in the preseason setting, if he can maybe get some run with the first team at some point, uh, depending on, you know, who's healthy, who, you know, vet rest days may be coming up for Steph Diggs, however that works out. There's not a lot of outside receivers. You know what I mean? I mean, after Gabe Davis and, and Stefan Diggs, you're looking at maybe like Khalil Shakir in kind of like a utility role. And then, you know, Isaiah McKenzie probably will be used at some point in that in that role. He's been moved around before. But man, Isaiah Hodgins has a big opportunity to maybe make some make some noise, do some things on special teams, maybe earn that that spot that a lot of people think might go to Kumaro if yeah. the Bills keep six, seven receivers. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it- Availability. That's what it comes down to. And Isaiah Hodgins has been available so far this year. Again, that hasn't been in his favor in the past. He's making plays. He needs to continue to do this. When it comes to Stevenson, it's unfortunate uh, that he got hurt today. We don't know, again, the severity of it yet. Hopefully nothing too serious. But uh, if it is something that kind of takes him out of the rest of the summer or something like that. He's going to have an uphill battle to make this roster. Uh, the Bills could obviously put him on the practice squad, stash him there. And maybe in for the team, that'd be a blessing in disguise because you you know, other teams aren't going to be able to see him in the preseason and won't be able to, to poach him potentially. Uh, but you wanted to see what Steven could do. Stevenson could do from year one to year two in the preseason. He's had some nice practices uh, it would have been nice to see him kind of cling on to one of those last roster spots. So this does give Hodgins, though, a, an opportunity, and and he's kind of uh, put his name out there a little bit in the last week, Matt. But, yeah, Hodgins has had him, himself uh, 
you know, a great camp. He set himself up for the run here in the next couple of weeks. But again, it's on him. You can't get to a spot where you're also missing time. Like that's going to be the most important thing. Can he stay healthy? It's been an issue for him in, in camps previous. So, so we'll see how, see how it goes. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's go into Terrell Bernard. Let's go to the linebackers a little bit. That's a great place to go. And Terrell Bernard had himself a nice practice today. Honestly, if not for the Benford uh, explosion, uh, I might have uh, featured uh, Bernard a little bit higher in my um, observations. I, I, the thing that I go, I come away from every practice uh, on the plays that I'm able to notice Bernard is that he's he's so. I don't want to say elusive is not right, the right word, but he's he's really good at avoiding the chaotic areas of the field to make sure to utilize that speed. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can have great speed, but if you're getting caught up in the traffic, what good is it? And it ends up being Bernard with two big plays today. One's a pass breakup on Tommy Sweeney. The other was a interception, a ball that was, it was a nice pass from Josh Allen. James Cook has to make this play, gets on his pads, pops up in the air and Bernard kind of shifting away from the play reacts quickly, gets over, makes the catch. Um, this is a, a huge day for Terrell Bernard and somebody that, you know, day after day, brick after brick, like they say, you know, gaining confidence and then also, you know, getting the coaching staff to have confidence in you. Yeah. So real quick, uh, going to Bernard, maybe it's the instincts, Matt. And, and that's something that Leslie Frazier has mentioned. He just has these great instincts where he almost knows where to go as soon as the ball is snapped. And that's when you avoid those messy areas. That's where you don't get you're not you don't have a block right up on you you're able to kind of run free and make those plays and he seems to be someone that's doing that early on in camp and pressing this coaching staff and that's important for him we don't know what his role is going to look like as a rookie obviously they draft him on day two of the draft late in in uh, day two third round and they already have uh, obviously Edmonds and Milano is their one two punch, but he, he has a very similar frame to Milano. So if Milano misses any time, he could kind of step right up into that role. He's still maybe competing for that linebacker three role. We've, we've talked about Tyrell Dodson and how good he's looked at times. So uh, again, role is to be determined, but you think they're gonna, there's going to be some packages where they're going to have him out there, letting him use those instincts, letting him use that speed. Uh, and really kind of maybe cover, blitz, whatever the case may be. And I'm really excited to see Bernard as a rookie on the field. I'm excited every time I walk in the door at Tops Friendly Markets, the sizzle of the grill, popping open a refreshing drink, crowds cheering for their favorite team, in the case, the Buffalo Bills, for everybody watching. These are the beautiful sounds of football season. And Tops is right there with you. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more tops at your bar barbecues since 1962. Big year for top friendly markets, Ryan Talbot. 60 years. It's Huge cool. year. Yeah. And in the comments here, tops bakery is elite. I agree. They have a very good bakery. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Matt, speaking of sizzle, how about a little Greg Rousseau news? We've had a lot of uh, questions about him over the last few weeks, and it sounds like he had a great practice today, too. Yeah, I, I mentioned it on the show yesterday. Greg Rousseau just looks really comfortable. You could see the size, the speed, the package that he's presenting uh, against this, you know, let's be honest. It's a beat-up offensive line, so you got to take everything with a grain of salt anyway. It's practice. 
but also the injury situation. But man, I, I think Greg Rousseau, he's been explosive. He's putting guys in a bind immediately off the snap. And sometimes before, I mean, the timing is there too. I think one of the things that AJ Epines has been uh, lauded for over the last couple of years is his, his get off, right? I've been really impressed with Greg Rousseau's get off. And one of the plays today, the get off was it, it, David Questenberry couldn't even deal with him at right tackle. I mean, he's in Spencer Brown still wa- not working in with the first team and Rousseau went blazing around the outside ends up getting what, what should have been a sack the, the whoever was had the whistle was a little bit uh, too slow with it and didn't blow the whistle. And, and Allen like threw a pass, but it was a sack. I mean, Rousseau stopped like right in front of Allen for like a good second. And then he threw it. I mean, it's a sack. And so it was a situation where Greg Rousseau is just, he's, he's playing really well. And, and, and again, benefiting from being on a line with Von Miller, with Ed Oliver, two guys that we've talked about so much being disruptive and being a lot to deal with again today. Ryan Bates out, Roger Saffold out, Tommy Doyle returned, but he wasn't with the first team. So he's kind of working his way back, whatever he suffered an injury from yesterday. So you have Mitch Morris, Deion Dawkins. Those are your, your solid starters. Then you have Cody Ford at left guard. Um, he was all right today. And then Bobby Hart, who I got to give a shout out. He did actually have really one good rep against Daquan Jones, uh, really stood him up and allowed Allen to find Gabe Davis in the back of the end zone for a touchdown during red zone work. Uh, but this offensive line, I mean, they're down a bunch of guys. Greg Mance uh, didn't practice today. Versatile interior lineman that could play all three spots. So they're dealing with some injuries on that offensive line. And I think that this defensive line, they're, they're playing really well. And, you know, Josh McCarty uh, brings up Daryl Williams season. You know, you, you, you wonder if if there's not another injury or two, if the Bills really put some thought into that, restructure some things and maybe look to bring back Daryl Williams, who – is going to be healthy if he's been staying in shape. I mean, he could step in here day one, knows the offense. Probably will get, have to get up to speed with Cromer, but maybe some valuable depth. Yeah, and valuable depth is something that they absolutely need right now with all uh, the injuries kind of piling up on them. And maybe that's the reason why they blew the, they didn't blow the whistle on a play like that. Maybe the Bills are saying, listen, we still need to run this offense and, and let Josh throw the ball. We, we know that the offensive line is having their struggles and uh, there's probably a few more sacks than we, they'd like to see at this point. But Russo specifically, you saw the work that he put in this offseason just on his frame. Uh, he, he looked like he was much bigger than one year ago in terms of the muscle mass. He's already a giant at his actual height and, and everything else. But, you know, that's the beauty of going from year one to year two in the NFL. In year one, as you come in as a rookie, a lot of these guys are coming off of bowl games or coming off of the interview process, whether it's at the combine, private visits. And and I know a lot of these players, these young players, they were the COVID years. It wasn't a traditional offseason either. Uh, But after one year in this league, you sit down with the coaches at the end of the year and they say, here's what you need to work on, A, B, C, and D, or whatever the case may be. And with Rousseau, it looked like he really put the time and stock into whatever the Bills told him to do and adding muscle onto that frame. Because with that wingspan, which I was talking about yesterday, he can create separation right off of the snap by putting his arm into an offensive lineman. And then that's when he can go to his pass rush arsenal, which is going to keep expanding year after year especially when he's been a part of that pass rush uh, summit for, I believe, two years now. I believe he was there as a rookie as well. Um, so this is only going to benefit him. He's only going to get better and better with with more reps, 
with all these, uh, you know, with a veteran like Von Miller, it's going to be really good for Russo. And, and it's, it's nice to see him building on his summer as the weeks have gone on here at training camp. Let's go next. Talked about uh, a lot of this stuff. Let's, let's go to some other like news and notes. There was a, there was three little news and notes. I kind of want to get to some stuff that I didn't have in my article, but I want to, I, I save these. Some a little bit deeper stuff for the podcast guests. I, I I think that's only fair. All the support you guys are giving us. So I want to start with Dawson Knox. Okay, had a drop today, and it it was a really it was a tough play. Right, it was a a bullet from Allen. It got on him really quick, and he kind of jumped up in the air. Kind of the acrobatics were there. I was going to actually write about this, and then I kind of took it out because I wanted to kind of flesh it out a little bit more and talk about it on the on the show, and. Got up in the air, ends up landing on his back. It was like a really hard fall and he wasn't able to make the catch. And, you know, I just, I seem to just recall several sideline incompletions with him, whether it be in the practice setting or game setting, where it's just the confidence level isn't super high in those moments. I, I was just thinking about it. I was talking with Mark Gaughan from the Buffalo News. He does a great observations piece every day. Uh, you should go check that out as well. He's been covering the team for years. I mean, he's great. And we were just talking about, like, what's your confidence level in Knox in those plays? It's a really tough play. And, and, and a guy not making the play, it's okay, but he's in a contract year. We're talking about what the contract's going to look like for Dawson Knox. And the really great tight ends in this league make those plays. And that's simply it. And I like Dawson Knox just as much as the next guy. But sometimes there's... There's big time plays that, you know, if he wants to that big time contract, you got to make those big time plays. That's my only. Yeah, no. And it's a valid point. And and we've seen some, uh, you know, one at least wild contract extension for David and Joku. And it's a lot of money being thrown around. And if you're going to give Dawson Knox that type of deal, which I'm sure will be what uh, his agents will use as a starting point. He needs to be someone that you can trust in in all those important moments. And we have seen some drops in practices. The one, you know, the one from today that you were noting, it's obviously when you when you hit the ground hard, it's hard to hold on to those. It, uh, we've seen it in NFL games where someone's hauled it in, they hit the ground and it pops up in the air and it gets intercepted or uh, goes for an incomplete pass. So yeah, definitely a, a more difficult one today. But you need to see that consistency from him. You need to see his game take that next step. You need to see fewer drops in the practice setting uh, because this is someone that is going to be a focal point of this offense. It's someone that Josh Allen targets a lot. And, you know, to, to Knox's credit, he did make a lot of plays last year. He hauled in a lot of touchdowns. He had the best season of his career. Uh, but the drops need to drastically get cut down as these years go on. And it's not necessarily something that we've seen from him. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with pointing that out and, and noting it, especially when he is in line to get a big contract. It's the it's not a big deal even. Like it's not something that I that I'd even spend a lot of time talking about. It's just more so the contract that I think is gonna get really interesting because man, I just thought the Browns were absolutely idiotic for that contract that they gave to Njoku. I mean, he unless there's something that you're seeing in your building that you think that he's going to be unlocked, or maybe you like that combination with Deshaun Watson, who we, you know, we learned uh, yesterday, I believe that it's only going to be six games that he's suspended for. So maybe you believe in that and, you're, and there's a little bit more projection in that. And listen, you're right. Dawson Knox, he's had legitimate, tangible production 
in this league. And it's just for, like, he's got to take that next step now, right? You, you had an offense last year where at times he was the third, fourth option. He's, to me, at this stage, going into a contract year in year four, had nine touchdowns last year. He is in pen option number three in this offense behind Diggs and Davis. And you just need to be reliable in that spot. I think he's going to be, I he's made a lot of good plays in this training camp as well. He had a touchdown catch the other day, the back of the end zone is really good. You just want him to make more of those plays. Those, those plays where you look, all right, Kittle, um, Kelsey, you can name any other top tight ends. They're making those plays. And I think, you know, I was ready to start really including Dawson Knox name in, if not that tier, that next tier, those guys in both of those tiers are making those plays. Yeah. That, and again, there's nothing wrong with pointing it out. It, there, there shouldn't be any projecting for Dawson Knox. He already has one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They've been together um, and you kind of know where, where he's at. So it, when you know, he wants this big contract, which any player going into their, you know, their, their first contract after their rookie one, they're going to want that if they've been productive, he just needs to do his part on the field and continue to put up those big stats where, as you pointed out, he is going to be target number three uh, right there after Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. John, uh, over on YouTube, Knox is a top five tight end. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to bring up a list here. We're going to do an impromptu exercise because I mean, I I can already name three off the top of my head that I would take in a heartbeat. And that obviously be the two that you mentioned, Mark Andrews. So there's three right off the bat that, you know, and that's not a knock on Dawson Knox. When you're talking about Kelsey, you're talking about Kittle and you're talking about Mark Andrews. uh, Those guys are all absolute studs right, right out of the gate. And, you know, I'm not talking about age either because, uh, Kelsey's getting up there in age, but if we're talking about just single year, like what I'm thinking in 2022, those guys already come off. Um, there's Darren Waller with the Raiders, yep, who I really like. Um, you got to put Kyle Pitts above him. He had 68. Oh yeah, for a thousand yeah. as a rookie. And, and Pitts will should realistically just have a huge year this year too. Um, it, you just saw the natural gifts and the talent there. I and I know I'm so I'm just going five. off the top of my there's head. There's five right oh, there's there. Five and right I think, there. Sure. And I think that there's gotta be some consideration for a TJ Hawkinson, mm-hmm. who I think to this point has just done more that and not with, you know, look at the quarterbacks he's played with. I mean, he had Stafford early on, which is, you know, but I think he downgraded considerably last year and he put up a, a comparable season to Knox. It ended up being 12 games. Uh, almost 600 yards, so about the same. Not as many touchdowns, obviously, but he played in a a much lesser offense with a much lesser quarterback. So I think he's in the conversation. If you, that's a question. I actually I was on a podcast earlier this offseason. That that question was put to me: Would you take this guy or or Dawson Knox? And I took Knox over almost any of them. Obviously, the elite guys, those three that you mentioned, those weren't the names. But, you know, Dallas Goddard was an interesting one. I think I'd take Knox over him, but it's close. Hawk. And I'd probably take Dawson Knox over him, but again, it's close. I just don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as that comment made it out to seem. No, no, no uh, hate towards John. He's one of our regulars. We love you. Uh, a good conversation, nonetheless. Yeah, no, a great talking point. You're right. Hawkinson's someone that you need to mention. He, Mike Kaseki is someone that I'm really high on. I think that he's a great tight end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. There, there's a lot of really good tight ends in this league right now. 
Uh, but Knox has the skill set and the ability to be in that top 10 conversation. Uh, no doubt about it. Let's get to a couple more notes and two, two that were in my observations, one that wasn't, and then we're going to get out of here. I'll go with the one that wasn't first because I'll remember the ones that were in there. Gabe, dude, Gabe Davis, man. I put out a video today and head over to the to the to to my Twitter page. Uh, if you don't already follow me there, I put out a lot of videos, uh, especially this time of year. And I put out a, a little like um, pre-practice, like individual portion uh, warm-up. And it was Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs. And Chad Hall puts on the uh, MMA gloves and just starts throwing jabs. And, and the whole drill is these guys just pop, 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 kind of like working on their hand placement uh, so they can't they don't get jabbed off the line. And you look at Gabriel Davis, man, and dude is just, I mean, the best way to say it is just he's thick, right? Like that's that's what the kids say these days. He's just absolutely, you know, you, you could tell that he put on the muscle. He's winning in every single way on the field. He's almost, you know, too much to deal with in individual stuff. I mentioned Hodgins having a great camp. You know, multiply that by 10 for what Gabe Davis is doing. I think he's poised to just hit the ground running. Brian says Twitter suspended some of you. I Doesn't everybody have like 10 burner accounts? <laughs> Funny enough, I've been in the media game now for years. I don't have any burner accounts. Do you have any burner accounts? No. Do you have no, any accounts I, that you just track other things? Nope. <laughs> no, me <laughs> no, either. And I don't. I, I always kind of mean to because sometimes Twitter can get can devolve into just cesspool of debauchery. But, and, and so sometimes it might be good to have the experience away from all the things that I see right now. Maybe pick a different thing that you could see a timeline to see, but I've never done it. Uh, but I do know a lot of people do have uh, burner accounts. You, you could just start a new Twitter account tomorrow. And there you go. See? There you go. Yeah. Uh, Elliot and who else said it? I saw it in here thick with at least two or three C's, maybe even four for Gabe Davis. He <laughs> He's looking very strong. And, you know, I, he, I'm not comparing him to Stefan Diggs because we know what Diggs. He has a long track record of history in this league in terms of production. But he's gotten to that point where we almost don't talk about Gabe Davis enough right now just because he's been so solid every day in practice. You know what you're going, going to get from him. Um, he, he's just gotten better year after year, and I think you're, you're right. He, he is in for a huge breakout year this year. Next observation. Uh, a little love for the fullback. Uh, fullbacks are people too, right? Um, That's right. And they deserve some love every once in a while. Reggie Gilliam, man. I deserve major demerits for keeping him off my 50 man, 53 man roster in May. I don't really know what I was thinking. Uh, I, my best guess on that is that I either was thinking through a scenario where a handshake deal thing, but I really do think it was just an omission by accident because I'll tell you right now, slam dunk city. The dude is so involved in everything that they do the versatility to play fullback and tight end his hands he had a touchdown catch today um the blocking everything about reggie gilliam just screams gonna be on the roster and he had another good practice today yeah listen fullback hybrid type of tight end if you need him in a pinch really good on special teams checks a lot of the boxes of what this coaching staff historically looks for in terms of versatility, uh, ability to help in other areas. So no reason to believe that he won't be part of this roster in 2022. 
Uh, I think that it, he hasn't been utilized a lot in this offense. He's made some catches. They haven't gone for any big gains off the top of my head uh, in regular season games. But he is someone that I think can create mismatches on the field, given the right opportunity, given the right look. So uh, someone I'm excited to watch this year. I agree with you, though. Roster lock. All right. Uh, last one here for you. It is Elijah Griffin. Uh, we've talked a lot about Nick McLeod. It's been pretty quiet uh, for OG, but he uh, delivered a big play today. Had a uh, sack uh, of uh, Matt Barkley beating uh, Luke Tenuta, who, listen, I mean, you got a cornered you know, blitzing off the side like that. It's going to be tough to react, and he just couldn't get over there quick enough. Uh, so Elijah Griffin, a uh, little shout-out for him. Uh, had a really nice uh, couple plays today. Um, specifically that, 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 uh, sack. All right. I want to give you the final word, Ryan. What do you got yeah. for us? Final word, uh, Bill's mafia. Can't wait to see many of you out there at the return of the blue and red. Uh, I, I know that, uh, there's still one more practice in Rochester before that, but that's the next there's time two I'll more practices, Ryan. There's two no, more, two more. Huh? Oh, there's tomorrow one tomorrow. And tomorrow's Thursday. not open tomorrow's to the, uh, public though. So close for like public, the public, yeah, means shout is going to be must see TV tomorrow. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. So I looking forward to seeing the fan base out there though. I think that'll be a good time as always. You know, it's a good time, Ryan Talbot, you know, from your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football, backyard barbecues, and every meal in between tops friendly markets is proud to have been at your table for the past 60 years and looks forward to 60 more tops. At your table since 1962. That'll do it for us. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Hit that, smash that like button before you get out of here. Subscribe as well. Make sure you subscribe uh, over on the audio platform, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. The Camp Diary series will be starting later this week. I can't wait for it. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.